How to Record Podcasts in Multitrack. Welcome to The Audacity to Podcast, episode 287. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. In the last episode, I talked about why and why not to record podcasts in multi-track. Multi-track has the big benefit of giving you a lot of flexibility. In short, it gives you that power to edit better to make the quality of your podcast better and even potentially the quality of your guests and your other co-hosts and participants in your podcast, depending on your recording environment, equipment, your setup, all of that other stuff with the workflow. I talked about why and why not to record podcasts in the last episode. And if you want the link to that, go to the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash howmultitrack. So if you've decided that you do want to record multitrack, you want that flexibility, you want that power, you want everything that multitrack gives you, then get ready for some of the complication and expense because it is complicated and it can get expensive. And there are several ways to accomplish that flexibility of multitrack recording depending on the podcasting hardware and software that you have. So I want to talk to you first about some basics of understanding this workflow and the requirements. And then I'll get into some specifics of how do you record multitrack with this kind of device, this kind of device, this kind of setup and such. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for this episode, number 287, then go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash how multitrack. First, multitrack basics. To produce your podcast in multitrack, and again, so we're all on the same page here, multitrack would be each person, each voice, each sound or soundtrack is on its own track in your editor. That way, if you cough while your co-host is talking, you can easily mute or cut out your cough and it doesn't affect the audio from your co-host. Or if you mess up with your timing on your music, you can fix your timing and then shift your music over in different places. Listen to the past episode, the link in the show notes for the past episode, if you want to learn more about what multitrack is and why you should do it. But to get multitrack, you need basically three things. Number one, separated audio channels. That would be for your voices, your sounds, and such. Number two, a multitrack interface or recorder. And number three, multi-track editing software, also known as your digital audio workstation or DAW, D-A-W. Let's dig into these basics a bit more because you need to understand these before you start looking at different solutions or trying to understand how to accomplish these different things. The first basic is separated audio channels. Multi-track recording is really quite pointless if all your audio is mixing together into the same track. Every participant in your podcast should have their own microphone, and that's regardless of whether you want to do multi-track recording. I really recommend everyone has their own microphone, everyone has their own headphones as well. This is not only necessary for separating the audio channels, but it's also necessary for clearer listening and understanding for your audience. 
then you're not having to share microphones and one person can be heard and the other person can't be heard because they're too far away from the microphone or mic technique and awkwardness and all of these other things could be a problem if you're trying to share a microphone. There are some exceptions to this, such as in-person newscaster style interviews where you are controlling the microphone and you point it back and forth. In that case, you both do kind of have your own microphone. Even though it's the same microphone, you are in control of who gets to speak because you are pointing the microphone back and forth. There are also some high-end video setups you could go with where you would be using specialized equipment and techniques to be able to record more than one person with only one microphone. But those exceptions aside and some other exceptions, in general, it's best for everyone in your podcast to have their own microphone. Podcasting with remote participants can make separate audio channels a bit more complicated. For example, if you have multiple participants connected through the same method, such as Skype, Hangouts on air, telephone call, and other stuff like that, their voices are then mixed into a single channel if they're all coming in through that same thing. For example, Hangouts on air. You can have up to 10 people on a Hangout on air, but they're all going into the same channel, the same audio track then is resulting from that. So you can't separate their voices because they're all getting mixed together. The same thing could happen if you have in-studio participants and each of you have a microphone, but they're all getting mixed together into the same track. You'll also run into this complication if you're using the same device for both remote participants and your soundtrack or for multiple methods of connecting to your remote participants. That could be maybe you're using a computer that has only one sound card on it and you're playing sound effects from that computer. You're taking live phone calls from that computer. You have a remote participant connected through Skype and you're live streaming to YouTube live or Facebook live or something like that all on the same computer with only one sound card. That won't work out very well for you and it won't be very supportive of the multi-track model. I'll explain possible solutions later on in this episode. Depending on your podcasting hardware and software workflow, you may have to make choices about how you separate audio channels. For example, you may be limited to only two channels, which is a very common limitation, but you have three voices. In such a scenario, you must choose which channels to combine into the same track. For example, a logical choice would be combining in-studio co-hosts on one track because you know the audio quality is good or it's much more controllable in that environment. And then your remote participants are in a separate track because maybe they're in a different environment. Maybe their track is noisier. Maybe their microphone technique isn't as good. Maybe their microphone isn't as good. There could be all kinds of reasons why you might want to separate them on their own audio track so that you can edit and process their audio separately from how you process your own audio. This is what I do with my own setup. I do have the potential to record into as many as four tracks, but I really only record into three tracks. I combine my voice and my in-studio co-host who sits directly across from me for our Once Upon a Time podcast. I combine our voices into a single track. Because we're both using really good microphones. I currently use the ElectroVoice RE320 microphone. It's my favorite podcasting microphone because it sounds very natural. I think it works great for pretty much every voice out there. My co-host uses the Heil PR40 microphone, which 
is probably a better microphone for his voice. And it is a great microphone in design and all kinds of things. I think it's a bit more exclusive as to whose voices it sounds good on, but it does sound good with my co-host's voice. So I know that both of us have good quality microphones. I know our environment. It's a clean environment. I have a compressor limiter gate in my studio. I'm getting good, clean audio. I can tweak the volume levels while we're recording. So it makes a lot of sense to combine our audio into the same track. But then we have a remote co-host who comes in through Skype or Hangouts or something else. And I record them onto a separate track so that... Uh, If there are any issues with their audio, we can fix that. But there are other things we do even beyond that to get even better quality audio, which I'll get into more in a minute. But this is to illustrate the idea that here are three voices. Two of them are combined into one track and the other is separated into its own track because that's what makes the most sense and works best for this particular environment and this particular workflow. Your needs may be a little bit different. So this is the first thing that you need, separated audio channels. If your audio channels aren't separated in the first place, the sources of audio, then you really can't separate them afterward. Basic number two, multi-track interface or recorder. When you have separated audio channels, you need a way to capture that audio without mixing everything together and undoing that separation. Most of the mixers within Podcaster Budgets may have multiple input channels, but only two output channels or two output tracks. So even if you have a six-track recorder, like the Zoom H6, for example, you'll be limited to the number of tracks your interface can support, whether that interface is an actual audio interface with your computer or it's your mixer or something else. The inverse could also be the problem. You could have a multi-track mixer that outputs in 16, 24, 36, however many tracks that it's possible to output, but your recorder may be limited to only two tracks, like it's a standard stereo recorder. So you have all of this power of your mixer, but not as much power as your recorder. You really need to have a multi-track interface, whether that's what we typically consider an audio interface like a Scarlett or an M-Audio or something like that, or if it's a mixer as an interface between the microphones and your mixer. And you need to have that multi-track recorder. Really, you need to have multi-track in the whole chain of audio in order for this to be most effective. The ideal multi-track recorder will let you capture each audio into its own track and thus giving you its own file for each track instead of combining multiple channels into separate sides of a stereo track or multiple stereo tracks. The Zoom H4n, for example, and the H4n Pro record four channel into two stereo tracks. So each stereo file contains two tracks within it. That's how I get the multi-track and I get four channels of audio that way. But the Zoom H5 and the H6 can record each track as its own file. That makes management a little bit easier, but in either case, it's very easy to work with anyway, and it's very easy to split a stereo track into separate mono tracks. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit because that's involved with some of the other workflow as well. So that's the number two basic, a multi-track interface or recorder. Number three basic is multi-track editing software. Most audio and video editing software does support multi-track editing on PCs, but multi-track editing is not 
quite as common with mobile apps. There are some multi-track editors available for mobile, whether that be Android or iOS, and you have to find a multi-track program that works for you. And workflow will vary with each app. Generally, you need the ability to edit or process one track without affecting the other, as well as the ability to edit or process multiple tracks at a time. For example, can you delete a cough from one track without deleting the words from the other track that are being spoken at the same time as that cough? Or can you delete something and have it shift all the tracks together while maintaining alignment? Multi-track editing does require a little more knowledge of the tools, especially understanding things like synchronization, target tracks, cross-track edits, split edits, and more. But the good news is that the most popular multi-track editors, including Audacity and Adobe Audition, already support these features. You only need to learn how to use them. Audacity, for example, has sync lock tracks, which makes it so that if you edit something out of one track, it edits out that same portion out of all of the other tracks. That may be really good if you're removing silence, for example, but it could be really bad if you're trying to remove a cough. So it's a simple toggle option inside of Audacity. In Adobe Audition, you have similar features, or in both apps and many other apps, you can simply select across all of the tracks if you want to make an edit applied to all of those tracks, or you can be a little bit more selective with that. With understanding these three basics... Those are number one, separate audio channels, number two, multi-track interface or recorder, and number three, multi-track editing software. You can then work with your particular tools or know what tools to upgrade to in order to accomplish your needs and understand the process even better. So now I'll give you some of the how-tos and this will get a bit in-depth. Definitely follow along in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash how multitrack to get some extra understanding on this. The first situation I'll talk about is how to separate tracks through PCs and mobile because you need that separate audio in order to follow the multitrack chain. If you host your podcast with remote participants, those could be guests or co-hosts, there are two ways to separate each voice or soundtrack into separate channels. The first way is to record each participant independently at the source. The second way is to separate each participant into different devices and channels. I'll dig into that deeper here. First, to record each participant independently at the source. This is usually called double-ender, or I like the phrase multi-ender because it is more than only double or two. It's the easiest way to get every participant on their own track and even get the highest audio quality from each of them. When you record the mix you receive from everyone, it can be susceptible to certain quality limitations set by the software, like maybe the app won't stream the audio any higher than 16 kilobits per second. You could also be a victim of available bandwidth, both on your side or on the side of your participants, due to internet connectivity or even the device's own processing power. If one of your remote participants has an online backup process or a virus scan that starts running during your podcast, that could seriously reduce the quality of their audio. And it's something you can't control. They may be able to control it or they may not be able to control it, especially if it's an internet problem or they're on limited internet bandwidth 
where the software has to automatically reduce their audio quality. Thus, the result could be much lower quality than what is possible and could even be lower quality than what's being sent to you because you're hearing it and capturing it after all of these other things are potentially affecting it. Thus, the core idea of multi-ender recording is to have each participant record the audio or even video from their side. This means the recording comes directly from their equipment and is thus more likely immune to software and connectivity issues. That is, as long as they're using the right tools and know how to use those tools effectively. And all of this stuff, always, always test before you rely on any of it. Any of these tools or techniques, test it, test it, test it. If you're having a new co-host or a guest, or maybe even before every episode, test to make sure this stuff works because you've probably heard those horror stories of, oh, I had the best podcast episode ever, but I lost the recording, or you could only hear one person's voice. Please, please protect yourself from that thing. Test these things. Even consider having backup solutions, even if it means lower quality solutions. Definitely don't lose that great content. It's more important that you get the content and you capture that great conversation than it sounding pristine. One way to accomplish this multi-ender idea is by having each participant record their own side, such as through their own tools or software. If you're working with other podcasters, this can be a great option because they're already familiar with how to podcast, despite the fact that this is a more complicated approach. And I would never recommend this for a guest who isn't already familiar with such tools. If you're interviewing Joe Schmo from off the street and he's calling in from his phone, don't ask him to install Audacity, go buy a microphone, all of this stuff to be on your podcast. There are cases where, yes, you may want to insist on your guest going out and buying a microphone because of the business advantage that they'll get by being part of your podcast. And Be realistic with those expectations, by the way. And they certainly should want to sound their absolute best. So if they have the potential to be interviewed on other podcasts, it would really be good if they get themselves a good microphone and maybe even a decent headset. But I really don't recommend headsets. It's best if they get a good microphone. But you can't assume that they can do that. You can't assume that they can use Audacity or recording software or that they can install an app on their mobile device. Go with what is simplest for them. Remember, it's about the conversation, the content, not the actual audio quality so much. However, there are ways to improve the higher audio quality that you want. Now, if you're working with other podcasters who are familiar with these tools and have these tools already, and so that if you say, hey, could you record your side of the conversation and send it to me? Many other podcasters will say, oh yeah, no problem, done. I'm doing it right now, recording it right now. And I do that whenever someone interviews me on a podcast, I record actually both sides of the conversation, their side and my side into separate tracks, and I send them the recording afterward. Then they get the higher audio quality from me, as well as they can use their own recording of themselves for that great audio quality. But whenever you're doing this, working with someone else, having them record their own side, Ensure that the recording settings are the same for each participant, especially things like the kilohertz rate and the bit depth. 
This will help minimize the chance of audio that doesn't stay synchronized, also known as drift, where maybe you are aligned at the very beginning of the audio, but then by the end of the audio, their track is a few seconds in front of or behind your audio. This kind of drift can happen, and it's much more likely if you're not using the same recording settings. So make sure you are both in the same recording settings. I recommend 44.1 kilohertz and 16-bit audio. But it is still possible due to many different things, uh, weird technological things that go on in the background, that things could still be slightly off due to internal clocks on different devices and machines and software and such. So you still have to watch out for audio drift if your software doesn't already account for that and fix it for you. So that's one way to do a multi-ender conversation and have each participant independently record at the source. The other way to accomplish this, and this could be a lot easier, especially for those guests who may have good equipment, but they're not familiar with all the tools, is to use specialized tools that handle the recording and the synchronization for you. These tools do come and go, but as of October 2016, These are the top tools, I think, for recording multi-ender conversations. Cast, Reiner, and Zencaster. Now, you could use any of these. You could try these. They have their different targets. They have their different uses and different features. Find the one that's right for you. Find the one that's most reliable. At this time, it may be one tool. A month from now, it could be a different tool that's more reliable. Test these things. Over and over and over, please don't rely on something without testing it. But these things can make that process of capturing multi-ender conversations much easier for you, and then it automatically sends you the files, synchronizes them, and does other nice things for you. So the multi-ender technique will give you then multiple audio files, each one with only one voice in them. If you don't use a tool like some of these other tools that I mentioned that synchronize these things for you, then the way that I recommend you synchronize these yourself is by first recording a reference mix of everything. Now that could be your backup, that could be your live stream audio, that could be that maybe you're recording a mix of everything on one track locally and then your own voice on a separate track locally and then everyone else records their own track. But whatever the case, it's nice to have a mix of what is being heard live with everyone involved. That's your reference mix. Then what you do is, while each participant is recording, everyone starts the recordings at approximately the same time, have each participant then take turns with a loud clap. Or you could do three claps just to make it a little bit easier to see on the timeline. This will give you a very easy-to-spot spike in your audio Then what you do is zoom in on that spike and see multiple tracks, and then you align each of those spikes to those places. So for our Once Upon a Time podcast, for example, I would say, okay, Aaron, clap. She claps. I know that's Aaron's clap. I can align Aaron's clap. And then I say, Hunter. Hunter claps. And then we align that. And then Jacqueline and so on. This same technique does also work for recording separate audio if you're doing a video where maybe you don't have a wireless system or the way to feed your audio directly into your camera. So you record your audio with something else and then you have a separate audio file and a separate video file. This is how you can align them together is you do that clap, you align those spikes. That will ensure that your audio is aligned there at the beginning 
And if you don't have drift, then everything will be perfect. But do check in every few minutes in your audio while you're editing to make sure things still sound aligned. And even while you're recording your podcast, you may want to every 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on how long your podcast is, and if you've ever had problems with Drift before, you may want to do another synchronization point. Certainly, if there's a moment where you get off track and you realize this is going to be edited out, hey, as long as this is going to be edited out, how about we give ourselves another synchronization point just to make sure everything is aligned correctly? So this is one way that you can get separate tracks through PCs and mobile is to record each participant independently at the source. Then you don't have to have fancy equipment. The other people don't have to have fancy equipment. It could be the software doing fancy things for you. It could be the simple technique of doing the multi-ender recordings. The other way to get this is to separate each participant into different devices and channels. This does start to get more complicated. So look at the show notes, theaudacitypodcast.com slash how multitrack. If you have more than one remote participant, the most effective way to record them in multitrack is to completely separate their audio. And this does get complicated and expensive because it means you need multiple audio interfaces and call lines for your separate participants. For example, you could run multiple instances of Skype on a single PC and add multiple audio interfaces to that PC. That would allow each instance of Skype to send its audio to a specific audio interface, which then connects to different inputs and outputs on your mixer. It sound complicated? Yeah, it gets worse. But alternatively, you could use completely separate devices for each participant. Those separate devices could be separate PCs, smartphones, tablets, even iPod touches can work for each incoming participant. But again, this would require multiple inputs and outputs from your mixer. What makes this even more complicated is that each input needs its own output that you can target and send that participant the mix of all the other tracks minus their own voice so they're not hearing themselves back. That's why we call it mix minus. You're sending the mix of everything minus their own track back to them. So if your mixer has only one auxiliary or effects output, then you're most likely limited to only a single mix minus, and you may not be able to connect to multiple devices, whether those are completely separate devices like multiple PCs or smartphones or something like that, or if they're multiple audio devices on a single PC. You may be able to work around this if you have a fancy multi-track interface with your PC, but that may still require software to combine the separate tracks into virtual mix minuses for each participant. I know Voice Meet or Banana and some of their other tools can do that on the Windows side. And for macOS PCs, Loopback is probably the best software to do that. On Linux, I'm not so sure a solution exists. Maybe there does exist some kind of virtual mixer solution. But for at least loopback, since I'm on macOS, I've played with loopback the most, you can create as many virtual mixes as you want so that I could then have 
a dozen or so mix minuses for each participant if I had a dozen audio input and output devices connected to my computer, which would be insane to try and manage that. And then my mixer would also need all of those inputs and outputs or some kind of multi-track interface. So you see how complicated this gets? Maybe your head is already exploding, spinning, coming off. Something not good could already be happening with your brain. Yes, it gets complicated. It gets expensive. So already you are probably thinking, is it really worth it for that kind of flexibility? And it may or may not be worth it to you. I'll talk more about what of all of these methods I'll share with you, what the simplest one is that I recommend. I'll mention that more near the end. The more participants you want on their own tracks in general, the more expensive and complicated this gets. That's why many podcasters are turning to those more modern and more intelligent multi-ender methods like Cast, Ringer, Zencaster, and other things like that will, that will come and go over the years. So if you want to record separate tracks through PCs and mobile, these are the basic ways to do it. Either record each source independently or you have each of these sources coming in through different devices and channels. Now, with all that in mind, how to record multi-track with most devices. This would be probably without your needing to upgrade much or buy many new things for your current gear. Nearly all audio mixers, interfaces, and recorders support stereo. Stereo can be considered a single track with both left and right channels when you need audio positioning effects, such as in music reviews, dramas, and other experiential effects. Otherwise, consider any stereo device to actually be a two-track recording device. Capturing two separate tracks with a stereo device is probably the easiest method of all of these things. You can simply use the pan or balance controls on your mixer or other audio device to move one channel fully left and move the other channel then fully right. This control is usually built into every channel on nearly all mixers. Certainly the standard design mixers will give you this kind of control. Now it will sound a little weird while you're recording because you'll hear yourself in one ear and the other audio, whether it's a person or your soundtrack, in another ear. If your audio gear doesn't allow you to adjust the pan or balance of the audio itself, you could consider upgrading or buying a simple splitter for your audio recording. But you must pay attention to what the splitter can actually do, because if you simply search for splitter as a thing, then most likely you'll see something that's really only cloning the same audio into two separate destinations instead of splitting one channel from the other. That's what you would want, where you use a stereo plug that then splits out to two mono plugs and each mono plug is left or right audio not a combination of both, not stereo to both, like a regular headphone splitter would be, but you need something more specialized, or maybe you could even wire this yourself if you really wanted to. When you use stereo, as we can call it, for multi-track recording, you'll end up with completely different audio in the left side from the audio that's in the right side. And please, for the love of audio, don't publish your episodes sounding that way. It's not only a horrible listening experience to hear one person's voice in one ear and the other person's voice in the other ear, even if you reduce the stereo separation, it's not a good listening experience. 
but it could be impossible for some people to listen when they're able to use only a single earbud or a single headphone. Please don't do stereo separation for regular talk. Even if you're doing audio dramas or special experiential audio, still keep the voice in the center. You look at movies and you'll see that even with multiple channels surround sound, nearly all of the time, the voice is in the center, except for special events. Like maybe it's someone is coming up from the right side, so you need to hear them coming from the right side or from the left or from behind you or from in front of you. Most of the time, though, spoken word is in the center, and that's where it should be for your podcast, too. Regardless of whether you publish your files in stereo or mono, Keep your voices in the center, except for those very special occasions where you're doing a special effect that doesn't last very long. But when you get that recording from your stereo device, you will have your voice in one side and your co-host or other participant's voice in the other side. Fixing that separation is really easy. You could simply mix down to mono when you create your MP3 and then that mixes those separations down for you so that both voices are centered. But most editing software, even Audacity, will have a way to split a stereo track into separate mono tracks. That's what you would want to look for, something that says split stereo to separate mono or split tracks to mono or split to mono tracks or something like that. And I do have a tutorial that shows how to do that inside of Podcaster Society. Now, I do have two cautions with this workflow. Number one is with voice over IP or live streaming software. Depending on the program and interface you're using, you may be sending stereo separated audio to your audience, such as if you're in studio mode in Hangouts on Air. But if the program uses mono, such as Skype or the voice mode in Hangouts on Air, it may select only the left channel. Thus, Put your voice or whatever is supposed to go back out to your participants or the live audience in the left channel. The second caution I have on this workflow is headphone leak and mic placement. If you follow my frequent recommendations to avoid plosives by pivoting your microphone around your mouth 45 degrees to the right or to the left, and that is so that it's pointing to your mouth from a slight side, this places your microphone closer to one particular ear. Thus, it's easier for the microphone to capture audio leaking from your headphones. Since I recommend putting your voice in the left channel, and that was in accordance with my previous caution, to ensure that your voice does go out through Skype or through Hangouts or through whatever tool you're using, if it's using mono, I also recommend putting your microphone on that same side. This would ensure that other audio doesn't leak from your headphones into the microphone and cause a slight echo when that other audio is playing. Like when your co-host is talking, that your microphone would also be picking up your co-host because it's leaking from your headphones. You can turn your headphone volume down or use better headphones to help avoid that kind of leak. But if that particular orientation doesn't work for you, you could reverse the orientation of your headphones or earbuds so that your audio is still recorded in the left channel, but you put your left earbud or headphone 
on your right ear. So you're wearing your headphones or your earbuds backwards or upside down or something like that. And that's the way I do it. When I'm live streaming, I wrap my Apple earpods around the back of my head. I hang them upside down so they go over my ear instead of going under my ear. And when I do that, they fit really well to put the left ear pod in my right ear and the right ear pod in my left ear. And then my microphone sits on the right side. That's a lot of direction I just gave you, but essentially it's reversed from what I told you, left for your voice and left for your microphone without having to reverse how it's being recorded because I'm simply hearing it differently since I've put on my headphones backwards. So keep these two cautions in mind when you're working with multi-channel audio that's in a stereo format. Your VoIP or live streaming software and that headphone leak and mic placement. Go to the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash how multitrack to review some of this information and to understand it a little bit better. Next, how to record multitrack with a recorder. Perhaps instead of an app or an interface, you have a multitrack recorder. For example, the Zoom H6, a recorder I really like, records up to six audio tracks and six input channels. You could use such a device in the place of a mixer, audio interface, or PC and connect multiple audio sources directly to it. That works fine for in-person multi-track recording, but because the H6 isn't actually a mixer, you won't be able to do some of that more advanced stuff like mix minus to easily account for remote participants. However, if you do have one remote participant, what you could do is you connect the output of whatever device they're calling into to your Zoom H6, and then you let them hear you and all of your other local voices through the device's built-in microphone. Your recorder then records their voice, but they hear you through some other microphone than you're talking into. So they won't hear you at the highest quality, but the recording will capture you at the highest quality. And you will also hear them and yourself at higher quality because your headphones should be plugged into the recorder instead of into that external device. It's not ideal, but it can work. And it certainly wouldn't work well if you're starting to get into multiple devices because then how does one device hear the audio from the other device without having to do a mix minus? Another way to handle the multi-track with the recorder is to use a mixer that has multiple separate outputs. For example, the Behringer 1204 line of mixers offers two main outputs, stereo, of course, and two alternate outputs, also considered stereo, but other mixers may call these alternate outputs subgroup, or it's technically a different kind of alternate output. But in any case, this could give you up to four separate output channels, or even more depending on the particular mixer you're using. If you're not doing mix minus with your mixer, You could even use your auxiliary and effects output as two additional separate outputs. Then you may need some cables and adapters in order to send these to the right inputs on your recorder, but it can be done so that you could use a regular mixer to get multiple tracks. But do keep in mind, if you're doing anything with a remote participant, they still need to be able to hear themselves through some kind of mix minus So you can't always assume that, oh, because I have the ability to do multiple mix minuses, 
that you could also output all of those to your recorder. You need to save some for your remote participant to be able to hear you, your other participants, and any sound effects that you're using. But these are some ways that you could record multi-track with a recorder. Next is how to record multi-track with a multi-track mixer or interface. If your budget allows, because this is much more expensive, you may consider a higher-end digital mixer or audio interface that connects to PCs via USB 2 or higher, a Firewire or Thunderbolt. These usually send each channel as a separate track. And then you simply need to set your recording software to record all of those tracks and perhaps map them appropriately. Even Audacity can support multi-track recording as long as that one device supports multiple channels. Some mixers, such as the Behringer UFX1204, will also function as recorders and can save the audio as separate files to an external hard drive that's connected via USB. That could be a USB thumb drive, a USB hard drive, a firewire drive, maybe something else like that. Make sure you research the multi-track devices carefully because many of these will record all of those tracks pre-fader, which means that any muting or fader adjustments on the device, like your mixer, won't actually be reflected in the recording. So if you reach over and press the mute button on your mixer when you cough, it will still be captured in the recording, but on its own track. This isn't a huge inconvenience because you can see those kinds of things, but it could affect your workflow a little bit since each microphone is effectively always unmuted and always capturing the audio, at least with some of these devices where they are sending the pre-fader audio directly to that hard drive or the USB or Firewire or Thunderbolt connected device. So as you can tell, this is expensive. And it's complicated. So do you really, really need multi-track recording? It can get all kinds of complicated and cause all kinds of headaches. So is the flexibility really worth it? Listen to my previous episode, which I link to in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash how multi-track to further explore why or why not to record in multi-track. And when you're looking at your options and you realize, oh, it might cost, quote, only, unquote, $1,000, well, consider what else you might do with that time and that money if you didn't need that flexibility. How else could you improve your podcast if you had $1,000 to spend? I'm not saying it will cost you $1,000 to do multi-track, but it could. It could very easily cost $1,000. It could cost as little as a couple hundred dollars, but still you have to ask your question Is the flexibility really worth it? Is this really something that you need? Or could your money and time in understanding this and learning this process be better invested elsewhere? If you do need that flexibility of multi-track, then I really recommend you consider, if you have regular co-hosts, that is, consider simple tools like Cast, Reiner, Zencaster, or consider teaching your co-hosts how to record and send you their own audio so that you're still getting really high quality audio recorded from them, recorded independently of your own voice, but it's something that you can work with and it doesn't cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars, but it may still cost a little bit extra time because of issues that could arise in that process. Is it worth it? That's really up to you to decide. 
But these are some ways that you can accomplish that multi-track recording depending on what gear and budgets that you have. Again, this information and these other links are in the show notes for this episode, number 287 at theaudacitypodcast.com slash how multitrack. Episode 300 of the Audacity to Podcast is coming up very soon, and I'm going to do something fun with this, and it will be even slightly embarrassing. What I want to do, because iTunes and some other podcast apps and directories will only list the latest 300 episodes from a podcast or 301, somewhere around there. I want to go back to that first episode before it disappears from the listing in iTunes and some other podcast apps and directories, though you may even still be able to download it through the RSS feed. And I'd like you to go back to that first episode as well, which you can get to at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash one. Yeah, that's one as in the number one. Listen to episode one. And I'd love to hear from you. What would you tell that podcaster back years ago in episode one? What would you tell them? How would you tell him to improve? What would you tell him he needs to stop doing? What kind of criticism would you give? Constructive criticism, of course. And would you even have given that podcaster a chance? Now, you might be one of those who has been with me since episode one. And I've recently re-listened to my first episode and boy, did it irritate me. It had so many things in it that I thought, boy, if I was listening to this podcast right now, I probably wouldn't make it past the first episode because the first episode was not as good as I thought it would be. It wasn't as good as I remember it being. And I would like to use that first episode for some lessons in my upcoming 300th episode of the Audacity to Podcast. So I will be critiquing, criticizing, pulling apart, telling what I did wrong, what few things, if any, that I think I did right in that first episode. And you can learn from this too. Even if you are on your first episode right now, or you're a few episodes into this, or you're hundreds of episodes into this, you could learn a lot by going back to your first episode and listening again, thinking, how would I tell this podcaster to improve? So I'm going to look at this from that same perspective, that I'm going back to my first episode. And I can be brutal with myself. I'd ask, you don't have to be brutal with me, but I will be brutal with myself and point out what sounded stupid, what sounded ridiculous, what might have been good ideas, but were missed opportunities. This will be a lot of fun and a little bit embarrassing too. I won't play back the entire first episode when I do my discussion about it, but it would help if you go back and listen to episode one of the Audacity to Podcast at theaudacitypodcast.com slash one and send me your feedback on that. The feedback information is in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash how multitrack. And put in the subject line, if you send me an email, put in the subject line, first episode critique, and that will help me sort that feedback and include that if I can in my upcoming 300th episode. It'll be fun and embarrassing, but I think you'll learn from it and we'll probably all get to have some fun laughs from it at my own expense. I'm willing to cover that tab anyway. If this episode was helpful to you, I'd really appreciate it. If you would share it out, go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash howmultitrack to share it, to comment, 
and let me know what you thought of what I shared in this episode. And congratulations for surviving this far. Maybe simply tweet me again to say, I survived one of those other Daniel J. Lewis in-depth, very technical episodes. And I'm glad that you did. And now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.